0: Welcome in, everyone, to the Talking Tide Podcast. I'm Chuck of and Crimson Cover Television, along with Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the regular radio host, Southern, Fright, Southern Fried Sports, at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa. You can catch that 11 to noon on weekdays. The Talking Tide Podcast available to you at our web host, podbean.com, also various platforms including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn, the Twitter feed talking underscore Tide, and thanks, of course, to our fine sponsors, Heat Pizza Bar, North River Dental Associates, and Southern Alehouse. And with that, we kick off the midweek podcast, previewing Alabama's game against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Plenty more to get into, though. We'll uh, take a quick look at Alabama basketball later in the show also look around the news of the day in college football, but we start, Travis, uh, breaking down this finale for the Crimson Tide nine and O looking to complete a perfect regular season. Perfect as it could be anyway, in uh, 2020 against a three and six Arkansas team, your reset 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN. Travis, your thoughts on, uh, this, this final game for Alabama and, and more importantly, more particularly, where is Arkansas at as they enter this game? A team that uh, showed some signs of life, certainly in the first half of the season, uh, had a little bad luck, but but still came up with a couple wins. I think people didn't expect them to pull off, but here lately they've, they've dropped a few in a row.
1: Yeah, I think that fan base is rejuvenated, is inspired uh, based on what they've seen. From Sam Pittman in year one, he apparently hit it out of the park, knocked it out of the park with his coordinator hires, both Barry Odom. On the defensive side of the ball, Kendall Bryles is his offensive coordinator, uh, brought in a grad transfer quarterback with SEC experience and Felipe Franks. That worked out just fine. Uh, so it's been an encouraging season, no doubt. You look at the 3-6 and six record, I think we both know uh, that uh, you know that could be better. That could be at least one win better. For the uh, for the Arkansas Razorbacks, when you look at that road loss at Auburn and how that one went down late in the football game on the plains, but you now it's a team with some questions. It's uh it's dealing with some injuries right now, really on both sides of the ball at critical positions, middle linebacker, and then of course Franks didn't play last week uh, against Missouri on the road, but KJ Jefferson, a redshirt freshman, steps in and. Uh, Accounts for four touchdowns and over, I guess, 300 yards of total offense between his legs and his right arm. And, you know, he's got some capable pieces around him. Traylon Smith, uh, the running back, went for a buck 72 last week out in Columbia, Missouri. And uh, they've got talent at the wide receiver position, no doubt. Some big dudes out wide. Mike Woods, Traylon Burks, Trey Knox. You know, Burks and Knox are 6'3", 6'5", respectively. So when you incorporate the up-tempo approach, uh, fastball, as Nick Saban likes to call it, Chase, there's some challenges, I think, this week for the Alabama defense especially.
0: Yeah, Alabama not the only team coming into this game with a Receiver coming off a 200-yard game. Traylon Burks was 200-plus against Missouri just this past week. And as you noted, it w- didn't even come from Franks. comes from a backup in K.J. Jefferson, who looks to be uh, the future of that program. Uh, but, yeah, Burks, a big guy for sure, presents challenges. Alabama's got some pretty good size at corner as well, certainly with Sertan and Joe. But uh, Burks can hurt you. There's no doubt about it. And this Arkansas passing game is – really been on point for much of the season. It's been uh, the the issues for Arkansas. Definitely this year have been more on defense than offense.
1: They have, uh, you know, they've done some nice things in their secondary. They've got a really good young safety and Jalen Catalan. Um, you know, you look at his tackle totals, maybe it's not a good thing, but he does have over 80 tackles already this season. Uh, three interceptions, Uh, He's been a playmaker. He's a guy that you look at him, he's a little bit undersized, especially at the safety position, but he's got some honey badger to him. He's always around the football uh, and and makes a lot of plays. Now, he had to sit out the first half of that Missouri game last week. That obviously did not help Arkansas defensively. He was called for targeting uh, in the second half of the LSU game in the prior contest for the Razorbacks. But he'll be good to go this week. I think... You know, the problem for Arkansas is, well, multifold when you try to go against this Alabama offense. Uh, They've got real issues at corner. Safety, I think they're much better than they are at at, uh, corner. Uh, And again, uh, you know, you look at what Larry Roundtree from Missouri did last week to this Arkansas defense, and I think it's nearly 300 rushing yards Mizzou had in that game so it it really starts with the Alabama run game as much as we talk about Mac Jones and Devontae and John Mechie and lately Jaleel Billingsley uh, if you can't take care of Alabama's base run plays with Najee Harris uh, it it makes for a long day and if you want to control the game which you know Nick Saban likes to do I would think we're going to see a steady dose of Najee for as long as this game's competitive. Yeah, you noted an injury
0: at linebacker for Arkansas. That's Grant Morgan. He leads the entire nation in tackles with 111, so certainly a really productive season uh, for him. Uh, offensively, Felipe Frank's questionable play with a, a rib injury. Uh, at least what's, what it sounds like coming out of Arkansas is, is that Morgan uh, might be a little bit more likely to go than Frank's. I, I, I think we'll see Morgan on the field. Frank's uh, I think we'll probably see him too, but but I think Morgan's in a little bit better shape, at least kind of, that's kind of the read you get on it. Uh, but uh, Arkansas, defensively, they they got to stop Najee. And, and the way, like you said, the way Missouri ran the ball last week with the way this Alabama offensive line is clicking on all cylinders, really hard to imagine Alabama not ringing up at least 250 on the ground if they want to in this one.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, Catalan is one of those guys that you like to get up in the box and help out as sort of a strong safety type. But, man, when you do that against this Alabama offense, you're basically dictating that your secondary is going to get blazed, especially those guys on the outside because you have to play man coverage more. And that's no man's land for really any defense let alone an Arkansas defense that's been much more productive when it's been able to go to its own coverages. Uh, you saw the six interceptions uh, of Matt Corral earlier in the season, and Arkansas's win over the Rebels and Ole Miss. I don't think they're going to be able to play much zone on Saturday, Chase. I mean, they can, but you know if you do that, and the, You know there's zone busters, those guys that come off the bench in basketball when, when teams try to play zone defense and that guy comes in and he just torches you from beyond the arc? Well, that's kind of what Najee Harris and this Alabama right. offensive line are. They are zone busters. You want to play cover two, two deep, soft coverage? No, uh, you're not going to be able to do that this week.
0: Well, I, you know, that's what Arkansas wants to do, but like sure. you said, it, it's, uh, it, it's the, the flip side probably is, is, uh, the poison you'd rather take, I guess, in man coverage. But yeah, if, if you're, if you're playing saw, the one thing you can do is you can try to take away that deep ball and make Mac Jones take a little bit sure. more underneath, make him check down a little more than he likes to, you know, Mac Jones loves to turn it loose, um, uh, but then you're, but then you're looking at a Najee Harris field day, like you said, inside, outside. They've got the running game. I mean, some of the holes against LSU last week were just enormous. Uh, yeah. for, for Najee Harris, and I wouldn't expect things to be uh, any different, especially if, if uh, you know, if they're if Arkansas is beat up at the at the linebacker spot. So. Uh,
1: yeah, and then and points. then pass rush, pass rush, not a strength for this Arkansas defense either. 10th in the league with 14 sacks in nine games. So, again, it, 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 Arkansas offensively it scored. Uh, Arkansas, Arkansas scored 48 last week. Uh, Going to have to be that type of performance, uh, possibly even more. You know, Alabama, the last time it went out there, scored 65. I think if it wanted to on Saturday, it, it could certainly do that again.
0: Defensively for Alabama, uh, what do you see, Travis? We, we, you know, Obviously, they've been improved in the last several weeks. We've talked about it here on Talking Tide. Pete Golding uh, seems to have uh, found a little bit of glue for this defense that maybe wasn't there in the first month of the season. Uh, but, I, but I think this Arkansas offense is capable of putting up uh, two, three touchdowns in this game and, and putting some pressure on that number. The, the Vegas man, by the way, has this thing at Alabama by – 32 another another week yeah. and another fat number for uh, alabama in that category
1: it really is and i'm with you uh and the, i saw just enough busts last saturday night to have concerns about this week in terms of when you start picking up the pace again and auburn didn't really do that as much as i thought it would on offense alabama did a good job on early downs in that game which is kind of a deterrent. To teams that want to go fast, you know, if you can get opposing offenses that go with tempo and fastball, you can get them into second and eight enough. They don't like that at all. That that disrupts their their rhythm in terms of what they want to do with tempo. And so that'll be key on Saturday. Early downs with Treylon Smith and the Arkansas offense in general. Can Alabama get Arkansas into second and long? and maybe force it to become a little more trepid in how it goes about its business because, uh, you know, this is an Arkansas offense, too, in terms of red zone, very efficient, 23 touchdowns and 32 trips inside opponents' 20. So that's part of it, too, this week. You know, Arkansas will move the ball. I don't really doubt that. Uh, but y- y- you gotta you got to do a good job, and Alabama has defensively. I think Alabama's given up just 11 red zone touchdowns in 25 trips by opponents. So, you know, that's the thing for Alabama again this week because Alabama scores touchdowns. Will Riker's having a great year, uh, but it's not like he's had to attempt 20-25 field goals in nine games at all. Um, You want to keep him kicking extra points and and let Arkansas worry about field goals.
0: It's not like Lee Tiffin trotting there three times a game for field goals. (laughs)
1: 2009. How many did Lee Tiffin? I think Lee Tiffin tried like 32. Seriously. I think he tried man. like uh I think he tried like thirty-two field goals in two thousand and nine. No, you know how many he tried? I'm looking at it right now. Thirty of thirty-five for Lee <laughs> Tiffin in two thousand and nine. Fourteen games he attempted thirty five field goals. Different game year. back then. Different yeah. game.
0: Yeah. You could uh you could pile up threes and
1: uh a lot of those were red zone field goals too, as I recall. I mean he had a really good year. Um but there were there were more than a few that were red zone ish for Lee. I think he won the Groza that year, or he was a finalist, first team All American, I think. Yeah.
0: 11 a.m. kickoff once again, and be sure to join us for the Sunday nighter when we recap Alabama's game against the Razorbacks. Moving on, Travis, the passing of Ray Perkins definitely want to touch on that. The former Alabama head coach. Uh, passes away on Wednesday, just a few days after his 79th birthday. And, uh, you know, in in pro football, uh, he'll go down as a guy that didn't win a lot of games as a head coach in the NFL. But on the positive side, he did hire Bill Parcells on that giant staff of his, uh, which certainly was parlayed into a great deal of success for that franchise, hired Bill Belichick on that staff as well. And of course, at the college level, uh, he'll be remembered as the guy who took on the the virtually impossible task of replacing Paul W. Bear Bryant.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, you talk about coaching trees. It, it, you got one that produces Parcells and Belichick, and then you know further down the road with Belichick and Saban, I think you can feel pretty good about that from that perspective. But uh, you know, people that really know Ray. Our, our new Ray, uh, they'll tell you, he was a pretty complex dude. He was the kind of guy, though, that you had to hire. Prickly in some ways, oh. unpredictable maybe in some ways, but absolutely resolute in how he was going to go about the job. There wasn't ever any wavering, from what you gather, involving Ray Perkins as the head coach to succeed Paul William Bear Bryant. Uh, but his impact certainly Football guy is what I think of when I think of Ray Perkins. Football guy, football player, great player at Alabama, good NFL player, played for Don Shula in the NFL, uh, good football coach, guy who just loved it. Because even in his later years, the last few years, even last year, you'd go out to practice at Alabama. Ray Perkins would be at practice a lot. You know, he was still going to practices all the time. I spoke with his son, Mike, about a year ago at this time down in, Jacksonville, where mike lives now and uh he let me know then that that ray wasn't doing well um you know he was he was having some issues and uh then apparently some other issues came into play here in the last few days and uh sad to see him go at the age of 79 but certainly a, a pretty stout legacy he leaves behind
0: Tell you what else he leaves behind is a legacy of putting together some pretty nasty schedules. Can't go without looking back quickly <laughs> before we move on, Travis. At this nineteen eighty six slate for yes. Alabama, yes, uh, they they kick things off with Ohio State. We're just talking non conference here, okay? They yeah. kick things off with Ohio State. Uh, they take on Notre Dame in October. They take on Penn State in october as well so yeah ohio state notre dame penn state your your non-conference slate throw in a uh throw in a southern miss there and a memphis but uh geez and, and and ray didn't care who you were he'd line up
1: yeah he absolutely would i mean he looked at he looked at college scheduling almost like it was nfl scheduling you know like you could make the 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 playoffs at nine and seven or something but um no, that '86 team. I talked about that on my show Wednesday. Uh, that that schedule was something else, man. Uh, yeah. You you read those those games off now, and it's just you know people can't fathom that sort of that sort of schedule. And I you know I think it probably caught up with them because not only that, you well, know, there was still the conference schedule. Uh, they they went on the road in late September that season, beat a really good Florida team in Gainesville. I went to that game and. Uh, You know, that was Kerwin Bell in the Florida Gators in 86. And so it was a schedule that was very tough, didn't have the finish to that season that anyone really expected. It started with Penn State coming in here and really dominating Alabama in a game. and uh, But yeah, I mean, Ray Ray didn't back up. Uh, He didn't have much backup in him at all.
0: Caught passes from some pretty notable quarterbacks, too. I, I noticed this today, and looking back at uh, Ray Perkins' career, How, how's this for lining up with some good quarterbacks as a player? Caught passes from Ken Stabler and Joe Namath in college, then caught him from Johnny Unitas in the NFL. That'll work for you?
1: <laughs> yeah, that'll get you home. You know, that'll do it. That'll do it. He was the captain of the 66 team that went 11-0, and and the missing ring team, I guess, of 66. Got caught up in that. Got caught up uh, collateral damage of the uh, Notre Dame Michigan State situation that year. But uh, yeah, I think Ray was 32 and one, 30 and two and one as a player at Alabama. It's not bad.
0: Not about it all. The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly here before we move further along in the program. We're going to start by telling you about North River Dental Associates, the best place to go in the entire town of Tuscaloosa for any and all dental work, your own, your family's. You got to get over there twice a year for routine cleanings. Keep those choppers clean with Dr. Jack Smalley. Whatever your needs, dentally, teeth whitening services, endodontics, dentures, they do it all on a routine cleaning. You're going to be out of there in less than an hour. You can make an appointment online at NorthRiverDentist.com or you can give them a call at 752-3506. They're great at dealing with the insurance folks and it's a pleasant experience all around. Check them out right off of 82 on uh, watermelon road at fairfax park it's
1: north river dental associates you know how much we love southern alehouse here on the program right well for a lunch option you can't beat it dinner you can't beat it but did you know you can get the holiday catering done for you by southern alehouse get your order in by friday december the 18th at noon And it'll be ready for pickup for you on Wednesday, December the 23rd, between 1030 a.m. and 8 p.m., 205-310-3625. That's the number to call. You want smoked meats? How about prime rib by the pound? They can do that for you at Southern Ale House. How about a turkey breast? A whole one. They can handle that for you at Southern Ale House. Also, a whole ham they can do for you great side dishes as well and of course you can't forget the desserts bread pudding by that by the gallon they've got brownies half sheet and full sheet options available to you and of course some great great cookies for you as well take the stress out of the holiday season let southern alehouse handle handle that holiday catering for you give them a call 205-310-3625 also want to tell you about heat pizza bar downtown tuscaloosa At Government Plaza, you're going to be in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Well, you're going to have that early kickoff for Alabama and Arkansas from Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Get the Heat Pizza Bar. They're going to be open. They'll be open for the kickoff there of Alabama-Arkansas. And you can just pretty much post up, not just for the Alabama-Arkansas game, but games throughout the day as well. They're going to take great care of you there. So many great big screens that they have the football on when you go into Heat Pizza Bar. And of course, the pizza itself is out of this world. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza.
0: Talk and Tide Podcast at Podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Tune In. We're going to uh jump, we're going to go outside the footprint, as we call it, Travis, for a few minutes here and uh Talk about this Ohio State news. Of course, the Ohio State-Michigan game canceled, which left Ohio State with only five games in the regular season uh, just because of their other cancellations. And uh, the Big Ten rule that you got to play six to get into the conference title game just kind of disappeared in thin air here today, (laughs) Travis. uh, The Buckeyes are in there. The release from the Big Ten uh, points out that uh, had this game been played, and Ohio State been upset by Michigan. They still would have gone. Therefore, they get to go, which of <laughs> course doesn't address at all the, the, the logic that that the at the beginning of the season it was supposed to be six wins regardless. But uh, but there you go. Uh, uh, the Buckeyes, at least for now, are uh, safe. I'm I'm not surprised that they did this. I guess, but. I am surprised that they couldn't find him a game somehow to avoid having to do this.
1: Yeah. You know, there was talk about Purdue and Indiana canceling and then perhaps Indiana and Ohio state in a rematch. But then apparently I has got some COVID issues of their own right now to go along with Purdue. So, uh, it's a mess there in the big 10. And so not surprised at all, as you said. And, um, you know, how this impacts things big picture wise as far as the college football playoff. I still think if you're an Ohio State fan, you better pull for Alabama in Atlanta a week from Saturday because if Florida beats Alabama and you've got two 10 and one SEC teams and you're sitting there at six and 0 as a Big Ten quote unquote champion who has basically a premium win over Indiana at that point, I don't see the two sec teams getting left out i know one would obviously go but even in that scenario i think alabama gets in ahead of ohio state then you have to consider the acc with uh, notre dame and clemson i think you're probably pulling for notre dame if you're an ohio state fan to go ahead and give clemson that second loss if it turns out that clemson beats notre dame i don't know how you don't take two from the acc i don't know how this thing in those type of scenarios, if they come together, how this thing isn't just essentially an ACC-SEC challenge, um, but I guess weirder things could happen or have happened. I don't know, Chase. I I think the SEC, too, is setting itself up just in case, and perhaps even if Alabama wins and Texas A&M wins out, of saying even to the ACC, you know, we played 10 games, and the ACC benched. Clemson and Notre Dame this week. So, uh, even in terms of uh, an argument against the ACC, if it were to come down to it for two teams, uh, I, I think they may, you know, try to go that route as far as saying, "Look, our Florida and Alabama played ten. You guys sat out, uh, protected uh, Clemson and 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 uh, Notre Dame. So why should?" Why should that league benefit by getting two teams when we maxed every game we could play with our two best teams? Uh, and one of them's now going to have to stay at home potentially.
0: What I want to know is what what would the national uproar have been if this shoe had been on the SEC's foot and Greg Sankey had peeled the same banana for a 5 and 0 Alabama team to make the SEC sure. championship game if they had the same rule? People would be going ballistic over Alabama sliding back door.
1: Just ballistic. Well, We don't have to worry about that, you know, because the SEC didn't have just a total projectile vomit on aisle 10 like the the Big Ten did throughout this entire process. So I don't, you know, look, the only people I feel compassion for from the Big Ten perspective are the players, you know, who didn't want the Big Ten to go the route it did from the very start. You know, it's been the adults that have screwed the Big Ten and all this, and so you know, I, I'd hate to see it from that perspective for the young people involved, but for everybody else, you know, it's, it's a situation you've created for yourself more than anything else.
0: No question about it. All right, the SEC, we're going to look around the schedule really quickly here. Georgia at Missouri, Tennessee at Vanderbilt, LSU at Florida, Auburn at Mississippi State. All the heavy chalks on the road here, Travis. Does does a home team win a game in the SEC this week? Oh Well, Florida's at home. Excuse me. Excuse me. Florida's Florida's at home. There's one. uh, But the heavy favorites are all on the road other than that.
1: Yeah, Ford is just a twenty-three and a half point favorite over LSU this week. Wow. How about LSU? Now Eric Gilbert, the outstanding true freshman tight end, gonna opt out for the remainder of the season. Who knows where he ends up in the new year? Um, I'll tell you a game that that I think could be more interesting than the line would suggest right now is Missouri one of your home dogs. Missouri and Georgia. Rusty is kind of eyeballing Mizzou, you know, at home. He thinks those home Tigers might have some teeth getting the 13. But what kind of changes your thought process about that game even is JT Daniels. You feel better about Georgia going on the road with JT Daniels at quarterback in a matchup like that. But I think at this point, Eli Drinkwitz, probably the SEC coach of the year. I mean, if you're not going to give it to, say, Dan Mullen uh, and, and winning an SEC Eastern Division championship, I would think Eli Drinkwitz is the next guy up. Um, so that's one I think I would keep an eye on. I, I don't trust Tennessee enough at all right now to just think it's a given that the balls will beat Vandy should be Vandy. Uh, and then Auburn, you know, Auburn, uh, six and a half point favorite on the road at Mississippi state, Mississippi state coming off a bye week should be healthy and should have a, a roster that's, um uh, you know, uh, that's that, that stocked better than it's been maybe in, in the last couple of games when it was at 50 or under 50 scholarship players so that's a big game for Gus Malzahn Saturday night Chase I mean we talk about the 20 plus million dollar buyout and all that stuff you go to Mississippi State and get beat and that's three straight losses and don't think that that fan base won't pull the Arkansas really beat us two card if it comes down to (laughs) trying to get Gus out of there yeah they, they didn't really they didn't they didn't offer to give that win back when they got it at the time but if they if it gets gus out if uh auburn loses to mississippi state saturday night i think they'd be willing to give it back at this point maybe i talked to
0: my guy at the barber shop about gus's job the other day you know what he said he said if that seat ain't hot it's soaked with gas <laughs> <laughs> waiting on the
1: match
0: yeah no so smoking. there you go all right before yeah. we get out of here on Talking Tide, uh, Alabama basketball taking on the Clemson Tigers Saturday afternoon in Atlanta. Kind of an extended break here. It's going to be, I guess, a, uh, a week or so, roughly, uh, since uh, the Maui tournament, the Maui Classic for Alabama. But they come in looking for their fourth win in five games here. Travis uh, Clemson, a team that knocked off Mississippi State. To open its season. Uh, you know the ACC basketball ranks a lot better than me. What, what does Clemson have, if anything,
1: this year? Well, tonight, Wednesday night, uh, went or beat Maryland uh, at Little John Coliseum in Clemson by 16 in that ACC Big Ten Challenge. So that was Maryland's first loss of the season. So Clemson now at 4 0, as you said, you know, some power five wins, including one over Mississippi State, one over Purdue and now Maryland. So they say styles make fights. And I think that's what, uh, we're going to find out in this one, which style prevails because Clemson, I think wants more of a rock fight, you know, half court rock fight. And you've got, uh, you've got uh, Alabama, as we know, looking to get this thing up into the eighties, if not the nineties. So it'll be interesting to see which, uh, which style wins out, but, Clemson playing some good basketball going into this matchup Saturday night. Kind of
0: weird to hear you say Clemson and Maryland playing in the ACC. Big uh, <laughs> I know it's so, a
1: retro ACC game. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Thank you as always for joining us, and be sure to check us out Sunday night when Travis and I reconvene on Talking Tide to recap Alabama's game against Arkansas. We'll talk to you then, right here on Talking Tide.